when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you. And if you are heading out this morning, be careful of that fog. It can be quite deceptive and it can be quite dense in some areas. So make sure when you're driving, take care and make sure that you've got your lights on. And if you're in the North Cork area, be aware that BC Engineering in Charleville have a large convoy that's on the road now. It's heading to Mitchellstown, on into Fomoy and on into Middleton. There are five large tanks. They are travelling in convoy. They left Charleville about an, over an hour ago. They're expected to be in Mitchellstown by one o'clock and then they'll head from Mitchellstown on into Fomoy to Rathgormack to Liskould and they will finally get to Middleton and they're expected to arrive in Middleton at about nine o'clock uh, tonight. So this is a very slow moving convoy. It is going to take the bones of 12 hours uh, to get there and road users can expect delays along the route. So just be aware of uh, that. Bad, bad news this morning, is it not? For poor old Theresa May, she is facing a vote of confidence in her leadership. It'll take place this evening. The Eurosceptic MPs launched this coup attempt against the Prime Minister and they obviously are trying to seize control of the final stages of Brexit. Tory, Tory MPs, they needed 48 votes and there has been much talk about this but they finally managed to get the 48 votes needed to trigger this uh, confidence vote which will take place this evening between 6 and 8pm. Uh, and of course it was at half past seven she was meant to be meeting the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar so that obviously has been uh, cancelled. She has announced earlier today when this news broke of the leadership challenge she announced almost immediately that uh, she will fight for her job but support it seems has been draining away from her particularly when she abandoned the planned vote that was made to take place on the Brexit plan yesterday. Now what happens for Theresa May? She now needs to secure 158 votes and there will be a majority of Tory MPs and she'll be forced uh, and if she doesn't she'll be forced to stand down and then a full Tory leadership contest will take place which obviously is going to plunge the Brexit process into total chaos. She spoke us out Downing Street in the last hour. She said she won't go down without a fight although she will be severely weakened because even if she does win 
Um, and if she only wins by a small majority, she is going to be weakened. But she said she'll contest it with everything she's got. She then went on to say that a change of leadership in the Conservative Party right now will put the country's future at risk, create uncertainty when they can least afford it. And I think a lot of people will agree with her on that. And then she said any new Tory leader would not be in place until at least late January at the very earliest, then that person, he or she, would have no choice but to extend the Article 50 exit process and that would mean delaying Brexit because Article 50, once it got triggered, it had the two years and it's March the 29th is the date that the United Kingdom are to leave the EU. But if you don't have a Tory leader in place until the end of January, they will have no choice but to extend that. And then she said, weeks spent tearing ourselves apart will only create more division, just as we should all be pulling together to serve the country. Theresa May said that the leadership concept also will play into the hands of the Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, hinting that the chaos that might be created within the Tory party could precipitate a general election. Actually, that was one of the first things when I heard this morning what was unfolding. And when I heard that there was going to be this vote of confidence in her, I said, goodness me, Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party must be rubbing their hands together and thinking, whoa, whoa, Christmas has uh, come early. So once again, the focus back on 10 Downing Street and we wait to see what happens. That leadership is, uh, that leadership vote will take place tonight and the announcement is expected. Where did I see the date and the, the time? The results of the secret ballot is expected at about nine o'clock tonight. But obviously, Theresa May cancelled her talks with um, Taoiseach Lear Varadkar ahead of the vote because those uh, talks were meant to take place at half past uh, seven. The whole thing with Brexit, it changes, does it not, almost on a daily basis. A little bit of good news here on the programme today. It is another Panto Day. We have more tickets to get you along to the Everyman for Glamour and Gags, Song and Dance, Magic and Mayhem. It's Cork's favourite traditional pantomime. It's Cinderella. And we have a very special night here at C103 tomorrow night, Thursday, December the 13th. We, the Panto will be on stage at the usual time at half past seven. But from six o'clock, we're inviting all of our winners along to a special VIP reception. There'll be face painters, magicians, selection boxes for the children and much, much more. So we will be giving away every hour on the programme today a family pass. And the family pass allows four people to go along to the Everyman tomorrow night and also gives you access to the VIP reception. So we will let you know how you can enter this hour a little bit later on but stay tuned for that if you are a Panto fan and are free willing and able to bring the family along to the Everman tomorrow night then please uh, enter throughout the morning today and more of those tickets to be given away this afternoon with Nick and with Martina. Now coming up on the programme today we're going to look at the implications of Ireland signing the UN Migration Pact which from the bit of research that I was doing yesterday on this it looks like it got signed on uh, Friday. Now not every European country signed and not every country around the world signed. Obviously Donald Trump on behalf of the US of A didn't sign anything that would allow migrants to come in to America. Australia interestingly enough didn't sign it either and there were some other European countries didn't sign it but we're looking at it from an Ireland uh, point of view by signing up to this UN migration pact. What does it mean? Um, 
and and will we be now forced to welcome more migrants into our country because we've signed this pact? And I suppose the argument that has always been put forward about allowing any more migrants into this country, the argument I suppose at the moment is we can't look after our own. I mean, we have what the bones of 10,000 people will be homeless this Christmas. And if we can't look after our own, how in God's name are we expected to look after people that will come from different countries hoping to come here for a better life? So we're going to discuss that on the programme today. Vegan activists shaming a local farm family. This is all part of a programme that will air tonight on TG Cahar called Taboo. And the Heinz family, Peter and Paula, would be well known because they won Farmer of the Year a couple of years ago. Paula joined us when she went on that amazing journey to Nairobi, partly enough of another TV programme. And this, it seemed, happened earlier this year. They are really good on social media. They're really good at Twitter and, you know, really showing what life is like on the farm. And I think it's terrific for those of us that never grew up on a farm and don't have a lot of daily access to a farm life. I always love to see those kind of pictures go up and little video clips go up on other people's uh, social media pages. And that's what the Heinz have been doing in Arla. And it seems earlier in the year they ended up getting trolled basically they there was vegan activists started abusing them online and it can be really really hard to read some of those comments I know most people will say oh just ignore them don't take them to heart you know block them or whatever that's all well and good but if you've actually read them they really really are and can be very hard to take no matter how tough skinned you are and the, God knows there's been so many celebrities over the years who've completely given up social media and Twitter Whatever it is, Twitter seems to be the worst. But a number of high-profile people have literally just closed down their Twitter account because they couldn't take the abuse. And I can never understand why somebody, these keyboard warriors, why they think it's okay to abuse someone. And probably in 99% of the cases, the people that do it, if they were looking at the person and eyeballing the person and face to face with the person, they wouldn't dare abuse them the way they do online. But in the comfort and security of somebody's own sitting room or in somebody's own bedroom, people seem to think it's okay. It's okay to abuse somebody. But it's it's a human being who has feelings and you never know what can push somebody over the edge and God knows has pushed uh, people over the edge because actually part of the programme uh, tonight that Dublin mother who spoke with us earlier on in the year because she lost her daughter uh, Nicole and she wants Coco's Law this was a young Dublin woman who was bullied online by since she was about 18 and she sadly uh, took her own life uh, by suicide earlier this year and her mother went to the Gardaí to try to see what could be done. She had all the evidence on her daughter's phone for the Gardaí to say we don't have laws in place, there's nothing at all uh, could be done. So actually she features on this programme uh, tonight as well. But we're going to talk with uh, Peter and uh, Paula Hines today about what they went uh, through with these vegan act activists uh, attacking them on uh, line. Time banking is a new initiative that I have to say I was unaware of. It turns out it is a worldwide phenomena and there are a group of interested people who want to bring time banking to West Cork. So we're going to find out what time banking is all about. It's basically about giving to your community and giving to your, lo- giving, helping out uh, your people in your neighbourhood, your friends, uh, other people that live in your area uh, and then you bank up credit 
and then if you need help with something there'll be somebody available to give you a dig out so uh, we'll find out more about time banking on the programme at today we're also continuing on the thread that we've been speaking about with what we put into our rubbish bin and are we good at recycling what can we do to get better at recycling and the scourge of plastics that came up yet again on the programme on Friday and someone suggested or on Monday should I say on the programme somebody suggested we should speak with the group Plastic Free Kinsale which is set up now almost uh, a year ago and they're going to offer advice and we'll talk about Plastic Free Kinsale, how they're getting on and also just offer advice on plastic uh, waste. And it is Wednesday, so that means in the final hour of the programme, Peter Dowdle uh, will answer us if you've got any... Well, join us if you've got any gardening questions to to get sorted out today or if you're planning for your gardening for there's a lot of planning goes on at this time of year if you have a question for Peter you can get it in throughout the morning 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 here's a little bit of Christmas music
That's the Ronettes on C103. Isn't that lovely? That's a fabulous uh, Christmas tune called uh, Sleigh Ride. And I'm going to use that song to uh, and dedicate it to say hi to a very special little boy from West Cork, a little boy by the name of Jaden, who is going to be nine months old on Friday. But as we speak, Jaden is in Crumlin Children's Hospital. He's awaiting heart surgery uh, tomorrow. And uh, I've been asked to wish him all the best and sending him lots of love from Nana, Nana Mary, Daddy Paul and all of the family. We've been asked to give a very special mention to little Jaden. So uh, think of that family and what they'll be going through tomorrow, uh, going through heart surgery on a little nine-year-old boy. Bless, bless his heart, literally. And let's hope everything works out for them. Now, yesterday on the programme, we mentioned that drivers who are caught, caught speeding at between 20 and 30 kilometres over the speed limit could end up getting seven penalty points and a €200 fine. These are the proposals that we touched on yesterday uh, mentioned by the Minister for Transport Shane Ross all over the papers today about them. The changes have been put forward because Shane Ross believes that the current system of the flat penalties does not provide an adequate deterrent to get people to slow down. Under the plan uh, drivers who are travelling up to 10 kilometres above the speed limit, they would receive between three and five penalty points and the fine would remain the same at uh, €80, uh, which is what it is at the moment. Drivers detected travelling at speeds between over 10 kilometres and 20 kilometres above the limit the fines and the penalties start to increase. They would get between four and six penalty points and a €150 fine. And then those going above the 30-kilometre limit would no longer be dealt with under the penalty point system and instead they would face prosecution for dangerous uh, driving. The penalties for dangerous driving, by the way, they carry a mandatory disqualification if the case is heard in the district court. A maximum prison sentence of six months could be handed down. They also they also look at fines of up to five thousand euro. An offender will also face an endorsement on their licence and disqualification. And the penalties for dangerous driving causing death that can range up to €20,000 fine and up to 10 years in prison. But I mean, dangerous driving causing death, absolutely. I, I would, I don't think anybody would say in any way. If anything, I think some people would say that 10 years in prison isn't enough. If you go out and it's due to dangerous driving and somebody is killed, people will almost say, put you in jail and uh, throw away the key. Anyway, and also the, the change that's been proposed by Shane Ross is the fact of you will be fined and you will also receive penalty points if you do not have your driving licence with you while driving. You must have your driving licence with you at all time. And I have to say, that's the one that we got the most reaction to yesterday. Let me give you an example of some of the reaction that came in that we didn't get to yesterday. Rob says, speeding fines, absolutely superb, but the driving licence law makes no sense at all. What does it prove? You might as well be asked for your ESP bill. They are your details. The minute they stop you, I go from my van to my wife's car all the time. 
if I have to drop them somewhere, says Rob. So I may not always have my driving licence with me. It might be in the van. And then if I'm in the wife's car, I might have it in the wife's car. I might forget to bring it with me in the van. And you could be, and with this new law, you could be facing uh, penalty points. And of course, the danger with the penalty points, and particularly some of the penalty points for speeding. Remember, if you get 12 penalty points, you're off the road. So if you were stopped a number of times and received these penalty points for not having your driving licence with you, you technically... If you were unlucky to be stopped a few times and you kept forgetting your driving licence, you could be put off the road for six months a year because you don't have your driving licence with you. So we're all going to have to remember to do it if and when this becomes law. Pat says, Patricia, Fianna Fáil must stand up to Shane Ross and vote him out. They can stop him. Fianna Fáil, maybe you meant Fianna Gael. Anyway, the problem with Shane Ross, says says Anthony, problem with Shane Ross's licence law is if you're driving two vehicles at any one time, it's very easy to leave the licence in one or the other. And as you cannot have two licences, this makes it easier to get caught out. A fine either way would be penalty enough as penalty points will drive up the cost of the insurance, says Anthony. Yeah, so maybe that's something Shane Ross, rather than slap penalty points on it if you haven't got your driving licence with us. And as Anthony says, a genuine reason, you know, gen- you know, I, I, you know I, I've gone from one van to the other van, van, maybe did it in a bit of a hurry, work commitments or whatever. You know, he didn't deliberately get into the van without the driving licence. You know, just you were a bit forgetful, but it wasn't deliberately done. Maybe a fine is enough deterrent but drop the penalty point part of it. Anna says Patricia I think it's a good thing that you need to have oh here's something I think it's a good thing that you need to have your driving licence with you at all times especially if stopped by the Gardaí. It saves a lot of Garda time rather than having to make a trip to the Garda station to present it later. Ladies be aware when you change your handbags make sure that you have your driving licence with you at all times. So there's an interesting view on it from Anna. There, There is obviously a waste of guard the time because there's going to be paperwork involved if you have to go into the guard the station and somebody has to take a look at your driving licence and then it has to be cross-referenced with the guard that stopped you and that has to be ticked off to make sure they don't come after you because you didn't go in with your driver's licence. So is there amount, is is there an element of time wasting on Angarda Shia Corner's behalf because they have the discretion at the moment to say to you if they stop you and you don't have your licence they have the discretion to say to you bring it into your guard station I think they give you 10 days to do it and that's the part of the law that Shane Ross wants to remove that discretionary element to take that away from Gardaí saying that if you're stopped don't have your driving licence instant fine instant uh, penalty points and another texter says it's all about money That's all this government is on about. To make rules in this country and if you don't abide by the rules, guess what? You end up paying. How come the government don't pay when they break the rules? We've had women dying over the cervical check scandal and they're not paying. They are breaking rules all the time, particularly when it comes to homeless people. That should be their real concern. It's all money, money, money with these uh, people. I wonder, does anybody see it that way? what Shane, even though knowing Shane Ross and knowing the types of changes he's brought in in the past, I don't know if you could accuse him of that, of saying he's only doing this to get more money in. I, I, I really don't. But he's not going to have the smoothest of pa- passage, that's for sure, because it seems it'll be next week before these new proposals on the graduated speeding fines will be brought before the government. And then when they go before the government, they go before the government for d- discussion. But there was a huge amount of criticism surfaced uh, yesterday. 
the it seems Shane Ross had prepared the memo on the proposals for for cabinet colleagues, um, but members of the Independence Alliance are livid with Minister Ross for bringing forward new speeding penalties without notifying them first. Minister John Halligan and Kevin Boxer-Morn were hopping mad, according to an article in the Irish Examiner today at the proposals, and they were angered that they were only made aware of the proposals through reports in the media. Whoa. And John, ministers, John Halligan and, and uh, Kevin Boxer-Morn are part of the government. That is very, very galling uh, indeed. And once again... Laws introduced by Minister Shane Ross are seen, certainly by rural TDs, as disproportionately having a disproportionate impact on those of us that live in rural Ireland, particularly people who rely on driving rather than, you know, urban and city dwellers who, you know, nobody wants to lose their licence. But if they lose their licence, they always have the option of a bus or a train or the Lewis or there's a lot of taxis if they're living in the city in a, in a large urban area. But the same can't be said for people living in rural Ireland. So for people living in rural Ireland, losing your licence has a much, much higher impact. And that's one of the reasons that I imagine the ministers, the independent alliance ministers, because many of them are rural TDs. They're the reason, as I say, the quote is, they are hopping mad uh, over it. 1850-333-103. Jim says, I was at the halfway roundabout and we were doing about 52 kilometres coming up to the roundabout and out of the roundabout because there was a tractor and trailer in front of us. And if we passed out this tractor and trailer, we would have to accelerate to pick up speed. If what you're talking about with this way of getting penalty points and changing how much you'd be fined, we could have been caught for speeding and would have been fined. And all we would be doing at the end of the day is trying to overtake a tractor. Uh, Yeah, and again, that's going back to they don't factor in driving conditions in rural areas can be very different to driving conditions in urban and city areas. But sadly, but sadly, when we do know this and there has been loads of incidents and loads of cases of it, speeding does kill, speeding has killed and speeding will kill going forward. I mean, that's where... Shane Ross is coming from on this uh, saying, you know, that something needs to be done. We need to stop the madness that goes on on our roads when it comes to uh, speeding. And is this one way of doing it by threatening people and saying, if you continue to speed, you will get caught, even though I know Connor Connor Faulkner of the Consumer Affairs with the uh, AA, you know, he's always saying, well, it's great to have all of these rules. The big problem we have is we need to enforce them. So you can have Every rule on the statute book, you can have them as tough as you like. But if you don't enforce them, what's the point of having the laws and the only way of enforcing them is to have more Gardaí out on the street. John Paul taking your calls. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103103. Now, last week, West Cork Independent Dáil Deputy Michael Collins asked the Thánaiste about the government's intention to sign the UN Migration Pact to outline his concerns and the response he received. Deputy Michael Collins uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. 
Good morning, Patricia. And Michael, I will talk to you about the proposals on the graduated speeding fine and the changes to the driving licence penalties uh, that Shane Ross is proposing to introduce because we're getting an awful lot of calls here and I know you're getting reaction on it as well. But firstly, I want to talk about this UN Migration Pact. Outline to us what the UN Migration Pact is. Yeah, well, first of all, I think, you know, take the opportunity on, on Thursday to raise the issue with the Tanishta, uh, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, um, to outline to the to the people um, why they were um, signing this into law, basically, or signing our, our rights as such into law. Um, now, this has gone through the without or through this country and basically been been instructed by uh, Minister Flanagan um, as Minister of Justice has evidently signed the UN Compact on behalf of Ireland with full complicity. We'd say with Leo Varadkar, Taoiseach, and Simon Coveney, and at present. At present knowledge, the following countries have vehemently refused to sign the migration agreement. And what it means, basically, is refugees and immigrants are entitled to the same universal human rights and fundamental freedom, uh, which must be be, uh, respected, protected and fulfilled at all times. And, uh, you know, we have had no opportunity in the Dáil here to discuss this issue. Um, I don't. I don't know. If many TDs know it. It was signed into law yesterday uh, by Ireland, uh, the United States, Hungary, Poland, Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Czech, uh, the Czech Republic, Slovenia, Slovakia, Switzerland, Austria, Australia, Chile, and Italy. And the Belgian government are in disarray over this issue. And more, all them countries I've said have to date uh, so far not signed. And there's been very little talk about it. In the, here right. in this country, yeah, and that's why I, I was hoping that this might, you know, raise awareness because a lot of people raised concerns to me. They feel as if we're uh, basically signing away our, our our rights in this country, and that we shouldn't be, and that we should be more. Uh, there should at least be more discussion on this. Um, you know, at least let the public know what we were, what our country was signing ourselves up for. Um, unfortunately. We haven't. Uh, we've had no discussion or meaningful debate in the Dáil. Um, there are, in my view, there are profound and solid reasons why uh, they, they, these other countries refuse to sign it. So why did Ireland sign it, and why didn't we discuss it properly in the Dáil to see the complications are, are sorry, the, the I suppose the follow from this. Uh, what is going to happen in the years to come. But to me, it, it, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to debate that. Um, it's no uh, after being signed in uh, to law yesterday and it could leave us in very uh, serious shape. And, and the real, I suppose, the, and the real argument uh, about this UN uh, Migration Pact is the idea that it could ultimately lead to a human right to migration. It, it will, you see... There's a blur, you know, and differences between refugees and, and migrants. And there is a yeah. vast difference between refugees and migrants. Refugees are fleeing, we say, war-torn countries to avoid prosecution and looking for a safe haven, whereas migrants are, are people simply looking for better opportunities. And they better want a better life. Yeah, they want a better yes, life. And, uh, and have often failed to do this according to the country's immigration rules. So, basically, in my view, this is saying that anybody anywhere in the world can come to any country and become a citizen of that country uh, or with no borders uh, and no meaningful citizenship. And so my, look, my concerns were 
I was hoping maybe that we could have some meaningful debate. I know I took only a, the opportunity of a minute to, to raise the issue, uh, but simply it was a, a decision made uh, by government, and 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 they weren't willing to discuss this. And, I think and they have and they have signed it. It was it was signed this week. The only thing is, do you take comfort though from the from the fact that it's not a treaty or a formal uh, agreement, so it's not uh, legally binding in you know that it it's a pact, which means it expresses the political commitment of the states to achieve the, I think there's some 23 goals outline, outlined in, in the text. So, I mean, it does uphold national sovereignty, so it's not legally binding. Yes, but I still have very serious concerns and if I look at 10 other uh, countries across the world uh, not signing this, and, and as I say, the, the, the Belgian government itself are in disarray um, because of this. It sends alarm bells and if other countries are sitting up and taking issue here, uh, why aren't we? And, yeah. and those yeah. will say who might who migrate, in my view, are being advertised, will say to go to a country like Ireland regarding the, the, the welfare system here the, and opportunities available to, to them in this, in this country indeed, and are not coming here for the genuine reasons and I think other countries have sat up and looked at this and have said no they're not going to allow this happen in their in their country and I think we should have sat up at least discussed this and if we had proper discussion here we could have at least ironed out uh, the difficulties and the worries that people have and a lot of people have serious concerns about this in, in the general public Okay and I know I was reading some of the arguments that were being put forward in uh, Austria and I, I thought theirs was, was the clearest one on it. They were saying that the pact will blur the lines between legal and illegal migration and the fear is with the illegal migration who you're allowing in, into your country and I wasn't at all surprised to hear that Australia didn't sign up because they have a very hard line uh, when it comes to uh, immigration. And I suppose, Michael, the real fears of Irish people is we can't look after our own. We have over 10,000 people homeless this Christmas. If we can't look after them, how are we expected to look after migrants? Yeah, and I think that's where the public, the general public, the the, the the view that's coming back to me, that's the way the, fe- the feeling of the public is out there. And if a third we say a party has rights over your borders, you do not have a sovereignty anymore. And these rights have been signed away by our government yesterday, in my view. And th- th- this pact now makes migration from anywhere in the world to anywhere in this world for any reason at any time a human right. And I think we've left ourselves wide open here. I think the countries that opposed it are at least disgusted. Um, I think gave a clear understanding to the the, polit- the politicians and the public out there of the concerns that, that we should have had concerns here. We didn't have that here. We didn't have any meaningful debate, uh, discussion in any way. And I, I never heard it being mentioned in the doll other than my own questions on Thursday. And I think that we, uh, as a country, have walked ourselves into something here. Um, uh, basically, in my view, sleepwalked into this uh, position that we're in, trying to run along with the rest of Europe instead of maybe um, uh, taking a harder stance here going forward. You know, as you said, we have a situation, massive housing issue, uh, housing problems. Some uh, people think that this is a great country, you know, our, our social welfare system might be a, uh, might seem very accessible to them. And there might be certain things that might be said, but some people come here and they work and work very hard. I have to respect that too. But we, ha- I think we've left ourselves wide open here by signing this agreement yesterday and we certainly didn't discuss it here. OK, stay, the stay there because Veronica is in Passage West and she wants to get in on this discussion. Uh, good morning to you, Veronica. Hi there, good morning. Uh, like myself and what Michael is saying and a lot of other listeners I can see, were you aware of this? 
I had to become aware of it, but only on the internet, and nobody um, in, in off the offline or, or off the off the internet knew anything about this. And I've ever mentioned it to people; they have absolutely no idea that this has been passed or has has been pushed through very quietly and very sneakily by our government. And uh, I, everybody's quite horrified and actually in quite disbelief because good-hearted people don't recognise that other people who are less good-hearted than they would push through these things. In, in a quiet and sneaky kind of way. And yeah. that's exactly what's happened with and, and it seemed, it seems that the countries that did open up debate on it, they were the ones who didn't sign up to it. Absolutely, with, with very good reason. As I say, people, countries like Poland or, or Austria or Hungary have had um, a, a history of being ex, a, a exposed to totalitarianism and, and, for, and for excessive external control. And boy, do they clamp down very quickly on this. They recognise it, what, they is, they, they, what it is. They have the, um, the background history of recognising um, con- external control that is, that is uh, not in the interest of the sovereign people of their, of their nation. And they're absolutely correct to do so. They're but what about one of the arguments that in favour of this pact put forward by uh, UN Secretary General who said that in many places where fertility is declining and life expectancy is rising economies will stagnate and people will suffer without migration. It was one of the reasons put forward for Angela Merkel when she allowed the refugees in because she said we need more people. I find this very ironic because only about uh, uh, a couple of years ago 100,000 Irish men were asked to leave the country. Do you remember that? Because I remember that very well. Yeah? They, they were asked to leave when? They were asked to leave Ireland. When was this? Way back uh, at the time of the financial crisis, 2008. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they left because there was no jobs here. Yeah. Asked yeah. to leave. Also, the reason uh, people's uh, fertility is declining, A, is you've got fluoride in the water. B, you have um, people who cannot afford and, and fear getting pregnant. Because they can't afford to have the children. Yeah, and we have smaller families than what we had. Um, oh, you have. Uh, and we have better. Yeah, regardless of what people say about our health crisis, we do oh. have people living longer. Lives. Yeah. All right. Okay, Veronica, listen, uh, thank you for that. Michael, I want to go back to you. And before I let you go, just on a different topic. um, And this is Shane Ross and Shane Ross's uh, proposals on the speeding and the changes to the driving licence. Firstly, did that come like a bolt out of the blue? Did anybody know what Shane Ross was up to? No, sure, nobody really knows what he thinks. I, I think he changes his mind like the weather um, up here and his own colleagues are, um, it's the rumours strong on the doll this morning that they're absolutely furious, many of his own colleagues, uh, that he didn't consult with them. And the effects this has, again, on, on, on people living in rural Ireland. And uh, you see, it's, it's all fine you know, to say, OK, we'll extend um, uh, the, the fines and the, the penalty points for speeding, and people say, yeah, that's maybe good and save people's lives. But the bottom line is, because you must look at our roads. Have they come up to mark? Have they come up, like, do we have a situation that when you get to, get into West Cork that you will now have passing bays so people are not frustrated and held back, trying to attend meetings and trying to go about their business? And, 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 and then when they eventually held maybe 10 or 15 minutes behind the vehicle, they, they go over the speed limit, unfortunately, maybe forgetting themselves. And now they're going to be met with heavy fines. But the biggest thing that's upsetting people, and I've had uh, uh, people have contacted me, farmers, fishermen, builders, about the licence. Yeah. Where is he going with this license? This is very, very difficult for a lot of farmers. One individual told me yesterday, he drives two, three tractors a day. They're all fully licensed, sorry, fully insured, fully taxed. He goes on the road to bring the cattle. He jumps into the jeep to go to the local co-op. He sometimes dresses up to take to bring the kids from school. 
And he says, no, he says, I'm the whole time going to have to carry a license around and, 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 you know, sometimes your work clothes and you're trying to change this outfit and that outfit you're going to a different vehicle because it's okay for Shane Ross, he'd probably come to the doll uh, this morning and leave the doll this evening in one vehicle so he can leave the license in that vehicle. This is not workable and it's very, very unfair to, to And, and, and okay, we, we must point out, and I can see there are a number of texts in saying, Patricia, you must point out that under the Road Traffic Act of 1994, uh, uh, was it 1994, a person must produce their driving license to a Garda and failure to do so is considered an offence. That law has always been on the statute book but what he's proposing to change is the discretion. Gardaí have had the discretion that if they ask a person concerned to present their licence they don't have it they give them a set period of time to say come into the Garda station with it and Shane Ross is saying remove that discretion. He is yeah but Shane Ross is thinking Dublin 4 uh, politics and Dublin 4 rules in relation to road traffic. He has no clear understanding and I mean look we look at we're not going to I suppose to debate this morning the effects that he's had in, in, in pubs in rural Ireland are absolutely de- devastated and, and, and people are about their day-to-day movements Shane Ross has curtailed their day-to-day movements and people's little bit of enjoyment that they had. No disenforcement of, of a situation where a person doesn't have their licence and everyone complied that had a licence and if they didn't the guardian were able to deal with when they were told drop the license in within so many days people did that there are situations where fishermen and builders or whatever they're changing their outfits their clothes they're changing their vehicles they're all fully insured obviously because they have to be on, to be on the road in CT tax and now they have to figure out a way how they're going to tie up the license to their to their to, the, to themselves and have it on them at all times which is near impossible and we have to get an understanding here that he has to pull back from that um, situation and, and, and continue the discretion where the guard at least could say, OK, drop it into the local guard station within a certain period of time and totally enforce the law if the person doesn't have the licence accepted. Shane Ross is out of touch with human reality and he's been out of touch in my personal view and in the view of most politicians up here now at this stage uh, who'd like to see a movement in that department but I don't, I'd say it probably would lead to the collapse of the government and that's, uh, but I, I, I we'd be absolutely pushing uh, totally against this. We have to look at our roads. If he wants to enforce new new laws and new rules on speed and wants to up the fines, you have to look at our roads first and if he's taking total responsibility which he is Minister for our roads uh, for the condition of number one, Number two, has he upgraded them in a way that people can go about their business on a day-to-day basis? And if they can, well, he has a right to bring in rules. And if he hasn't, okay. he has to accept okay, that. Okay, but, but in principle, would you be in favour of the faster you speed, the bigger the fine? Well, the way I see it is that people are finding it very, very difficult to go about their business. And, and I can only talk about the constituency of Cox Southwest, where people find it so difficult. And, you know, there have been there been penalty points for this, there's penalty points for that. And, you know, people are trying to hang on to their licences. There's near, by the way I look at it with Minister Ross, he's nearly hoping people, he get as many people off the road as humanly possible. And, you know, people are trying to stay within the legal limit at all times, but people do accidentally slip beyond. The, the signs aren't clear sometimes, they're not very, they're not washed, they're cleaned. You know, and people do slip into the 50 zone okay. and they might be doing 60 by accident. And then they clip back, and a lot of people do and they don't get caught. But they didn't intend to do the, the 60 uh, beyond the 50 zone, but it just happened. Like, And sometimes then there's a, there's a, uh, there's a van there taking, c- catching you on the easy catch instead of being out there maybe on the, on the motorway where they're doing, you know, some people pass me it extraordinary speeds in the motorway and uh, you know the fever. another point that was made last week in the Dolls is that there is absolutely since I came to Dublin the last nearly three years I have never been held up by a guard 
never been held up by a guard in an Earl of Dublin. Well, yeah, well, that's it's a great Con- Conor Faulkner is, yeah, Conor Faulkner is saying that there's no enforcement. You can have all the laws you like. Okay, yeah. I've got to leave it there because I see a lot of commentary coming in. Michael, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Um, good morning, says the texture. I'm a farmer. What happens if I'm held up and at this time of year and don't have my driving licence on me? Most of the time I have wet, dirty clothes on me. The last thing I'll have is my driving licence in my pocket. Now, a number of people, including Mary, says, would a copy of the driving licence be in order? We are sending an email off to the powers that be to try to get clarification on that because it would be great if they allowed you to have a photocopy particularly for the people who are saying I drive a number of work vans I might have my wife's car you know I might go from a work car to a home car and maybe you would be allowed to leave a copy of the driving licence in every car just in case you are stopped. Shane Ross says a texture again he has rural Ireland destroyed he needs to cop on He's like the tail wagging the dog. Uh, a different Mary says Shane Ross is trying to kill rural Ireland. Another texter says, regard they be able to check if you had a licence on the new handheld device? No, I thought about that yesterday, but remember the handheld device is to do with your car registration and your driver's licence is not linked to the registration of the car you are driving. So the answer to that uh, would simply be no. Hi, Patricia. Under the Road Traffic Act of 1994, a person must produce their driving licence to a guard and failure to do so is considered an offence. So, hello, people. Keep up. This was pointed out to me at a guard at checkpoint last week. So everybody should be carrying their driving licence. They're lucky to have escaped up to now says Mary by WhatsApp. And Micah says, Patricia, the new driving licence slips into your wallet. Same as a bank card. The only problem with that is you don't, if you don't, have one. And would you like to win a family pass to Cinderella at the Everyman tomorrow night, Thursday, plus a VIP reception at six o'clock? If so, caller five to get through to John Paul now and to shout, he's behind you. So caller five to shout, he's behind you to John Paul will win a family pass uh, to Cork's favourite traditional pantomime, Cinderella. But please bear in mind the ticket's non-transferable and they're for tomorrow night, Thursday and for their family of four. Get dialing on that. We're going to take a break. We're back in the next hour talking about vegan activists shaming a local farm family, time banking, finding out what that's all about and plastics free at Kinsale. All coming up in the next hour. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103.
That's Paul McCartney on C103 and that is wonderful Christmas time. Congratulations to Pat Lenehan of Ballyhay. Pat was our winner in the last hour of our family pass to go along to see Cinderella at the Everyman tomorrow night, Thursday, plus a VIP reception. Congratulations, Pat Lenehan in Ballyhay. More of those Panto tickets to give away this hour and then a final set in the next hour and you can check out what is Cork's favourite traditional pantomime Cinderella by uh, getting more information at everymancork.com Now, a couple of people have been on to us about various topics let me get through some of them. First we have a lady in Mallow who's been on to us who uh, would love a little kitten and she is even willing to take two kittens and there is nothing nicer than raising two little kittens together and the amount of fun you'll get watching them uh, playing. So does anybody have a don't quite know if this is kitten season um, they, every now and again you'll hear about kittens but it's usually it's usually springtime there'll be a load of kittens around but we'll, we'll call it out to see uh, a lady looking for a kitten but is willing to rehome two kittens if anybody can help us or point us in the direction of where we can send this lady in at Mallow and we do have her uh, telephone number and the Vincent's charity shop in Bantry have been on asking us can we mention please that they're having a half price sale tomorrow Thursday and again on Friday with great bargains uh, the person tried ringing but couldn't get through <laughs> John, Paul, John Paul was very busy and actually there's a changing in the guard going on outside uh, John Paul is, is, is 
moving out. Um, and it's Bernie will be taking your calls if you're contacting us uh, now, 1850-333-103. But Vincent's Charity Shop in Bantry, best thing to do is always send us a text or a WhatsApp because it gets straight to me here here, at the, here in the studio. Thursday and Friday, a half price sale with great bargains. We have been contacted by a listener. I don't know if she wants her name mentioned or not, so I won't mention it. It's coming to us by email to patricia at c103.ie. See if we can give a helping hand here. Patricia, hope you can help my daughter. My daughter started work in Bandon recently. We live in Ballinine. She gets the bus to and from work. The problem with this is she has an hour and a half wait in the morning after getting into town before starting work and then another hour and a half in the evening to get the bus home again. That's adding an additional three hours a day to her day. Not an ideal situation for anyone. So I'm contacting you and I'm just wondering if you could put it out there, please. She starts work at 9.30 and she finishes at six in the evening. So if there's anybody travelling at or near enough to those times, she would be very, very grateful for a lift. And of course, she'd be more than willing to contribute to the petrol costs. We'll leave you my number as she doesn't have and can't use her phone at uh, work. So does anybody travelling from the Ballinine area heading to Bandon or even going through Bandon that would suit this young girl who's after getting a job and good luck to her with the job putting three hours additionally onto your working day. God, you'd be exhausted at the end of that, wouldn't you? So she needs to be in Bandon for 9.30, coming from the Ballinine area and finishes six. So she, anytime after six, she'd be available to travel back with you and, as I say, is willing to play uh, and contribute towards travelling costs. If anybody can help with that, give us a call, 1850 333103 or text our uh, WhatsApp. And Margaret in the shop on Oliver Street in Bandon has contacted us to say that all the businesses in Oliver Plunkett Street are open for business. Access through Oliver Plunkett Street and Brady's Lane is open in Bandon. At the moment, when she was emailing us, she said there are only three cars parked on the street. No one on the street walking. So there's plenty of parking spaces available also in the hotel car park as well. And although the building fell down on the other side of the street, there is still access to all of the local shops. And she just wants to put that message out there, uh, please, that Bandon is still very much open for business and very much open for shopping. So please, if you're in that general area, keep Bandon in mind. We're always telling people to try to shop local, particularly at this time of the year. This is the important time of the year for the smaller retailers. They need to make the money in the run up to Christmas that will then keep them going during the leaner months, particularly as we head into January and February. So Bandon, very much open for business. Let me look at some of your texts that are coming in to the uh, programme. Sandy says on the speeding limits in general, I have no major issue with varying penalties for speed limits, but in areas where road works are supposedly ongoing. I think it's ludicrous when speed limits are imposed with little or no signposting or indeed you'll often see contradictory signage. For example, you could see six kilometres on one side of a white line and it'll be 100 kilometres on the other side. That actually happened in Roscarbury just up to a week ago, says Sandy. Also, when signage for roadworks are signposted with speed limits, but yet there's no roadworks ongoing. I know that's a big bone of contention for people who travel on the Mallow to Cork Road. There's been a lot of roadworks 
ongoing there over a number of months at this year and they've reduced the speed limit to, to 60k. Most of the roadworks are complete and even on the areas where the roadwork was complete and they moved further up the road, they still left the speed limit at 60k and that annoyed, that annoyed so so many people. On being able to copy your driver's licence, copies of licences, tax discs, insurance discs are widely used and in my opinion a driving licence copy could be fraudulent and unacceptable anywhere, even in a a dole office. I don't know whether a guard that would accept it or not and we are trying to get the clarification on that that if you were stopped by a member of Angarda Siakona and you actually had a photocopy of your driving licence, would it be accepted? We're trying to find out about that and we will uh, get back to you if we get something in before the close of the programme. Dan in Ballinhasic, when Shane Ross was sitting in the back benches, there wasn't a week went by that Shane Ross was not writing and quipping about things and decisions that were made in the door. Now he's on the other side of the fence and everybody's doing the same thing uh, about uh, him. Mary in Dunmanway says Shane Ross has simply lost the plot. I've read a report stating Ireland is one of the safest places to drive in Europe. So why is Shane Ross making it sound like it is such an awful place to drive? I haven't seen the article that we're one of the safest. I do know we have the Road Safety Authority talking about the number of people that were killed on our roads uh, this year and it's certainly higher than last year and one life, I suppose, is one life uh, too many. Vincent in Newmarket says you cannot insure your car without a driver's licence. So you must produce your licence in order to insure your car. So why do they need proof that you have your licence still? It's gone mad. Uh, how is that saving lives? It is a bit, it is, it is a bit much. I didn't re- I don't ever remember producing my driver's licence when I got my car insurance. Are you, are you sure about that, Vincent? That in order to insure your car, you cannot insure a car without a driving licence. I'll have to look into that. I, I, I'm, I've, I certainly have insured a car and I've never been asked for my driving licence and I've changed. Different, you know, you could say you're with the one company and they know you have a driving licence. I've never produced a driving licence for insurance. So I, I'll, if anybody can... Give me clarification on that. Vincent and Newmarket seems quite adamant that in order to insure your car, you must have a uh, driver's licence. Okay, let me look at other issues coming in on this. Okay, let's park that there for the moment. Let me go to other topics that people want to talk about. The migration one that we spoke about um, earlier. Patricia, this government is running roughshod over us. The people of this uh, country, the people of this country in Germany the people okay the government is running roughshod over the people of this country in Germany the people are up in arms about uh, migration well yes was they're up in arms with what Angela Merkel did when she opened the doors and welcomed in uh, migrants also look what's going on in, in France well they're protesting in France about different issues but they do have an issue around around migrants as well and remember a number not every European country signed up to this UN migration pact Ireland did but not every other not other European countries or other countries around the world Australia didn't and neither did uh, America another texter says Ireland is heading for a racial war with this pro-immigration pact it is inevitable the so-called elite and media 
in this country deliberately silenced any debate on this issue. I fear for my Irish children and I fear for my grandchildren. God help us, says a uh, texter. Also coming in over the phones on this, Joe says, where are we going to house all these people that seem to have more rights than us, the locals? How can we look after all these people? And how come when they arrive in this country, they're offered medical cards and housing, etc. But the Irish people can't get any of uh, this uh, in in Ireland. Uh, in Ireland, we work hard. We find it impossible to get medical cards when we require them. Uh, we have to fight for everything. Why is that the case? And yet we're signing up to a pact, to a UN migration uh, pact that could ultimately allow migrants into uh, this country. Now, let me go to the comment line. Jim and Butterfield joins me. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you've got a tip for people with their driving license and to make sure you never get into the car without your driving license. Well, you see, I, I may have been totally wrong, but I, I put my, my, my driving license over the visor, inside the visor of my head at all times. And anytime I'm stopped, it's there in front of me. I can't see why people can't use the visor to take their license. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a log in there or something like that. I no, no, there isn't. It's, it's a really good tip and it always makes sure you always make sure it's in the car with you. But the problem we're hearing from people are people that drive more than one vehicle. Like we had some farmers on who said they could be on two or three different uh, tractors and then into the car with somebody else who drives for a living and he said when he comes home he might be in the wife's car. You know, it's when yes. you're driving. If you're driving one vehicle, it's perfect. Just leave the driving license in, in the car. But it's for people who are driving more than one vehicle. That's where I'm caught. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. No, you're sorry right, Grant. It's a good tip, though. It's a good place to keep it. It's always... And by the way, have you ever been asked to show your driving license? Oh, I have on several occasions. Yeah, OK. All right. And, and the guard never, never, never uh, said anything. OK. You know, when they're doing road work training, I don't know if I was stopped, we'd say if there was an accident train, if I was stopped, uh, I'd always be asked. And I'd always have the driving license over my head. Straight there. Straight there and ready to grab. All right. Yeah. Good, good, good word of advice. Thanks for that, Jim. Okay. That's uh, Jim in uh, Botovant. And thank you to Connor and Dripsy, who was on to us. Uh, reminded me of an interview that I did back in March. Connor was on from Dripsy because the road conditions... Uh, two parts of Dripsy were absolutely shocking. I mean, it was like, it was almost like bombs had gone off. There was craters on the roads rather than potholes. I mean, they really were uh, deep. And he sent on some terrific photographs, before and after photographs today, uh, to say that after highlighting it on the show, work was done and they have seen a massive improvement in Dripsy. So that's uh, good to hear. Happy Christmas to everybody in Dripsy. And good news coming from St. Coleman's Secondary School in Formoy. The news that their single has hit the United Kingdom with news organisations in the UK highlighting the school releasing the song uh, Lean On Me. What fantastic news. Sometimes in our lives we all have pain we all have sorrow but If we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. 
on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on That really is fabulous. That is the boys of transition year in St. Coleman's in uh, for more. They were already number one at the iTunes uh, account. And of course, the big push is to try to make it the Christmas number one in uh, Ireland. And it's a fundraiser for one of their own, one of their one of their classmates who is unfortunately in Crumlessy Children's Hospital for cancer treatment. And they're fundraising for the hospital and for the Bumbulance Ambulance. So the best of luck to everybody involved there. Keep buying and supporting that song and see if we can make it the Christmas number one and thank you to Fiona from Roscarbury was in contact yesterday I mentioned the defibrillator in Roscarbury and somebody was saying that there was a key pad on it that you needed to put in the code in order to access the defibrillator but there was no sign on the defibrillator to say call this number in order to get the code to open to access the defibrillator and somebody said you know when you, if you're looking for a defibrillator it is um, those vital seconds could be the difference between life and death well Fiona was on to say that the key code for the defibrillator is available from all the businesses in Roscarbury the bars, the local bars have it, the Londis shop has it and all of the other businesses in Roscarbury have the key code. They deliberately haven't put a phone number up on the defibrillator as they're not a first responder group. They'd have to be a first responder group in order to put the phone number up. It is a community defibrillator and the reason obviously that they have to have a key code is to minimise vandalism which is shocking to think that that's what we have to do and they, you know, towns Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And uh, cities and villages all over the country, unfortunately, have had to lock away defibrillators and like that either have a key or a key code, a keypad to get into them and it's, it's done to keep them secure and to keep them safe so that they are available when, God forbid, the time the, the time comes when you or a family member or somebody you know might actually need one. And just one final and I must give this, for fear I'd forget to mention this, we've had a number of uh, pubs make contact uh, with us over the last couple of days to say would you ever let your listeners know about the pub opening times for St Stephen's night. And please let people know that St Stephen's night closing time will be at half past uh, 11. There won't be any late night opening unless people have applied, you know, individually for, for, an, for an extension, but most pubs won't have done that. So it will close at half past 11 because St Stephen's day is not deemed... No, even though it is a public holiday, it's not a bank holiday. And that means the closing time will remain the same as whatever day of the week St. Stephen's Day falls. And St. Stephen's Day for this year happens to fall on a Wednesday because it's this day, two weeks time. So, chucking out time will be at half past 11 on the Wednesday night of St. Stephen's night. And surely at that stage you had enough anyway. But just to let people know who are, if you are going out to have a few drinks on St. Stephen's day and that you might be thinking you'll go out later to stay out longer, be warned. The pubs in your area, as indeed pubs all over the country, will be closing at half past 11 on St. Stephen's night. C103 Jobs. Burnford National School, they are looking for a school cleaner 14 hours a week after school hours, please. Rainbow Recruitment are looking for three people in the Mallow and Cork City area. It's for busy manufacturing uh, companies, while the Donkey Sanctuary are looking for a groomer to join their new arrivals team. Experience would be preferred. The uh, application closes today. So please uh, get onto their website. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now, tonight's episode of the TV series Taboo on TG Cahar deals with online shaming. And one of the stories featured will be well-known Cork family, Peter and Paula Hines, who are dairy farmers in Aherla. And I'm told both Peter and Paula uh, join me on the phone line. Uh, Good morning to you. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, You're uh, two separate lines. Well done. Okay, um, Peter, I'll start with you. This all started with a tweet that was posted in February with a photograph of your little five-year-old daughter, Georgie. Tell me about that original tweet. Or was it Paula? Was it you put the tweet up? Yeah, I put the... Okay, you tell me. Tell me about the original tweet. So, it was Georgie. Everyone knows Georgie shows her little Jersey calf and she gets great enjoyment out of it. And she loves being part of the whole farm and what we do. So, we put a pitch. There was a lovely... She was sitting down in the, in the farm one day and she was hugging the calf. And I took a picture of the two of them and I put a picture of her up on Twitter think best buddies or something like that and there was people put messages under us saying oh what a disgrace you're teaching your child to be a criminal and why don't you take her to a slaughterhouse for her birthday altogether so she can see her calf being stabbed in the throat and did those comments start coming in pretty quickly after you posted the photograph yeah, yeah. more or less within the hour and how bad did it get? Did did did, did they continue? 
well, I don't give them the satisfaction of replying back to them. I just block them immediately so they don't get any more traction. Yeah. So I tend to ignore them. Um, I had put another video up on Facebook celebrating World Milk Day. And that got, there was, that was worse because it just, that was, there was comments coming in for nearly two or three days on that. But again, we just didn't um, respond back to them because like that's all they want is, they seem to target people that have a following and the more you engage with them, the more they, the nastier they get. So that's a good piece of advice for anyone yeah. who does get targeted. Just block them immediately. Yeah. I literally blocked 160 of them in forty in a 48-hour period. But but it's it's very hurtful to read those kind of comments, Paula. It, it does get to you. Oh, it does. But look, I suppose myself and Peter are lucky in the way we are, we support each other all the time. We all, if one of us is having a bad day, you know, there's one of us to build each other up and we just stuck together and we decided, we, you know, we said that if I was having, upset over it, I'd talk to him and if he was upset, he'd talk to me. So we're lucky in that regard that we had each other. But we did make the conscious decision that there is, I think we responded once and it was just a comment with facts and figures and I just kept blocking and blocking. And your children are young enough that they don't have access to Twitter, so you were able to protect them from it. Well, Chloe is on Twitter. She's 15. So I explained what was going on to her to um, so that she'd understand. And But thankfully, she didn't see anything on Facebook. That Great. was the worst. Great. She's, she's not allowed on Facebook. And Peter, you got targeted for, for using artificial insemination. Yeah, I suppose look, we've had all sorts of disgusting comments thrown at us uh, on uh, Twitter, I'm only on Twitter. I don't go on Facebook because uh, it's hard enough handling Twitter <laughs> at times. And but uh, like I would, I've blocked hundreds and hundreds of animal rights activists just to st- stop giving them traction. They've given us comments like, "Go on, excuse, I suppose, excuse my French now, but go and die in a puddle of piss." They've called us Nazis. They've targeted us, targeted us for using artificial insemination. Uh, and the term that they use for that, I don't even want to repeat it because I think it's absolutely disgusting and it's a, an, an insult to uh, use that term so lightly in 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 the respect. And it also shows complete ignorance, doesn't it? That they, that they don't even realise why you use art, why farmers would use our AI. It does. It shows a complete lack of understanding and complete ignorance because at the end of the day, like we use artificial insemination on the farm because it's the most efficient way to get a cow and calf and it's also the kindest way to do it. When we have, we, we know when cows are, are cycling, when they're ready to be inseminated, they're stopped during milking, they're inseminated, they go back straight out to the field. It's a quick process. Uh, it doesn't hurt them in any way. Whereas like if we don't use that process, we have a team of we'd have a team of bulls running with the cows. Number one, there's the safety issue for ourselves, but number two, there's the safety issue for the cows because, unfortunately, if you have a big herd of cows and a big team of bulls out, and you have only one cow uh, bulling already to be served on a particular day, well, that team of bulls is just going to chase her for the entire day, which. In my eyes, is very unkind to the animals. Absolutely, absolutely. When they're AI'd, they just 
get back on with the grazing herd for the day and uh, life life continues as normal. And Paula, what really got to me about this online targeting of, of your particular family in particular was anyone who saw you on your trip to Kenya will yeah. know the respect and the love you have for the animals. Yeah. Should the cows are family here to us. I know. The majority of my cows have names. I've, uh, like, we, like, I bombard Twitter with selfies with the cows. <laughs> um, the, like, the cows are number one in this house. They're nearly treated better than the, better than the kids half the time and looked after. Um, they're, like, cows are a priority in our house, 100%. They're welfare and like they're well looked after and they're spoilt and it's just you know most of these people <clears throat> have never even stepped foot in the farm that's the killing thing yeah, so, it's, like, they it's have complete and utter yeah that's it's the point I made to Peter it's complete and yeah. utter ignorance and why do you like to share your farming stories and farming life on Twitter and Facebook Um, I suppose it's good to give the general public an idea of what actually does go on on the farm you know because of the of these people they're putting this other visions of what happens on farms which is totally wrong and it's I think it's important like I'm very proud of what I do I'm very proud of our industry and it's important to show the public that it's what these people are doing is false they're all false accusations Mm. and I think it's good to show people that just because you're farming people think it is 24-7 it is a job but at the end of the day it's a job that I love and I think it's important to show a work-life balance that it's not all just about the farming like we show we myself and Pete share if we go on a date night we put it up on Twitter but it's important for people to realise you know I suppose what I'm trying to say is you know just to share our experiences of the farm and, and I have to say because I, I, I follow you and I, I love seeing the photographs and another one Harold Kingston often uh, yeah. puts up some fantastic photographs as well and coming from a non-farming background I love to see it Absolutely yeah. love, I love to see. And, and, there, and there's a lot of people will feel the same way. And like, with, it just proves with the following that we do have, people are genuinely interested in what we do. And we get some great comments off people and people, we do it because people want to see it. And yeah, they're uh, like, everybody knows the kids and they're interested in what the kids are up to. And I, sp- I suppose the other thing people need to realise too is that, like, it, it, and it's proven that if you see one negative comment on social media, say from an animal rights activist or from, in any negative sphere against something, it takes five positive posts uh, regarding the same topic to counteract the one negative one. The one negative, and like even beyond that, the the reason we agreed to do this documentary with uh, Tina G and Midas Productions is like. We've plenty of miles in the clock. We've plenty of life experience. It was hard for us to handle at the time when we were being targeted hard. But at the same time, we came through it and we realised that by blocking these people and these bullies and not giving them traction, it, we were able to get rid of it over a period of time. But yeah, I, and as like, the, I've well, I've seen a preview of, of the programme and as the programme, it's it's well worth watching tonight, folks, as the, and the programme shows that the young girl... Um, Nicole from Dublin, whose mum we interviewed a couple of months ago, she um, took her own life yeah, because I, of these, uh, as you bullies, they're online bullies. I think I think people need to be conscious of that, like from our point of view, to, if that was to happen to a young person of 14 or 15 on, on social media, the impact that they it can have on them and 
the fact that they haven't got the same life experience, they're not going to know how to deal with it. And people throwing out negative comments on social media, they need to be very conscious of who's on the receiving end. They don't know that person personally. They don't know what's going on in their life behind closed doors, and they don't realise how hard an impact that can have on someone, especially young people. Well said, well said. It airs tonight, TG Cahar at uh, 9.30. It is called uh, Taboo. Uh, Paul, I think the last time we spoke was when you and Peter, you went back to Kenya. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any plans to go back again? Are you still in contact with the families over there? Oh, God, yeah, I'm in contact all the time. Are and, you? Uh, oh, God, yeah. Um, definitely planning a trip back again next year. Um, William's brother is actually getting married on Saturday, Julius. Oh. <laughs> so there's a big wedding planned for Saturday. I would love to have gone but I'm just after surgery on my knees so I couldn't make it out there but I'd be there in spirit with the minute. Well done, well, well done. It's really, that trip has really had a profound impact on, oh, on your life. It totally changed my life. Totally changed my life. It was, it was just an amazing experience and going forward I think it will definitely be a yearly trip. I have a godson up in Nairobi now as well, Andrew. So I'll definitely, it will definitely be a yearly trip. They're well just done. phenomenal people. Well done. And you're, you're incredible people. Listen, have a great uh, Christmas in Aherla. And uh, thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye Peter. Bye-bye. Peter bye-bye. and uh, Paula Hines. Dermot in Inchigila is a dry stock farmer. He said every farmer treats his animals well. These people know nothing about uh, farming. These keyboard warriors, farmers, are never cruel to their animals. And even if they wanted to be, they couldn't afford to treat the animals uh, badly. Shame on those keyboard warriors. So tonight, TG Carr, half past nine. Taboo. 1850 John Paul. It's not John Paul. It's Bernie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now, time banking is a worldwide phenomena which is having a very positive impact on social capital and community involvement in communities where it operates. Time Bank UK will be in Clonakilty tonight to outline how it operates. And joining me is Sarah Bird, who is CEO of Time Bank UK. Uh, good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, and thank you for taking time out uh, to talk to us. I suppose start at the beginning and explain how does time banking work? Okay, so time banking is a mechanism that encourages local people to help one another. Um, the currency is time, not money. So everyone's hour is equal. So let me give you an example. So if I was to visit somebody in my street that was elderly, that lived alone for two hours, have a cup of tea, have a chat, I would have earned myself two hours. And with those two hours, I could spend them at the time bank asking for some help myself, either at home, in the garden, or even something, learning a new skill, learning a language, how to play an instrument. It could be anything that people in the community feel they can share with another person. And all all jobs and skills are equal? Everyone's hour is equal. So, yeah, there's no value that's placed on somebody's time. And where did this initiative first start? Well, as far as I understand it, the the time banking was actually born in Japan. Um, It's very widely known in America. Um, The Japanese at one point used to kind of use it as a kind of pension. So local youngsters might help one another and then save all those hours so that one day in the future... Um, if they needed help, then they would have had those time that, that time in the bank, um, which I think is a great idea. So we do um, advocate that people can 
earn their hours, they can save their hours, um, they can spend their hours in the time bank, or they can even give their hours to other people in the community that might need a helping hand. Yeah, I like that one of the aspects of it is the community uh, treasure chest where you can donate your hours. I think I think that's a great idea. Oh, I think that's lovely. Lots of people, um, you know, do lots of volunteering and there's no reason why traditional volunteering, those that, that give their time and are not being paid, can't earn time credits and time in return. And very often they might earn lots and lots of hours and think, well, maybe I'm never going to spend these. Perhaps I can put them to good use and they can go back into the community pot for them to be distributed to people, you know, that do need that extra bit of help. And it doesn't take in any way from local businesses or local tradespeople. No, so what we would say at the very, very beginning, in fact, I'm, I'm in a meeting actually at the moment saying to, to local people that it's not a professional service. So this is about you and me being ordinary people in the community, helping somebody out to the best of my, our ability. So if somebody wants their garden landscaped, then they should go and pay a landscaper to do their garden. If they want some help just raking up some leaves, which pretty much anybody in the community might be able to help with, then that we, we just do that to the best of our ability. So there's no worry that, um, you know, services are being cut and the time bank is suddenly going to take over those services by getting people to do it for nothing. That definitely does not happen. And who keeps the record of the time bank credits? And, and I'm assuming you could have a debit as well as you're you starting can. out. You can. If you... Um, if, so um, I, I ran a time bank um, in England um, a few years ago and there was a family that had gone through quite a, a big crisis and they had a fire at home. And we said to them, look, there is not a problem at all in you asking for help and if you like going into deficit because we said we know that in the future there's going to be some way that somebody in your family is going to help somebody else and you can earn those hours back. So um, with regards to logging the hours, um, we have a great piece of kit called Time Online 2, which is um, a software platform, which I'm hoping that this the Hour Time Bank here will use. Um, and it's got a mobile phone app so that you can be on the move, you can post offers and requests, link up with other people and log your own hours. Likewise, if that isn't for you, um, then you can have an administrator, as I know there's going to be three administrators who can log those hours on behalf of somebody else. Um, I think it's good for me to say here that nobody gets access to the software until they've actually joined the time bank because safety and minimising risk is very important to us. So um, it's not like a Facebook where everybody can join. But 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 anyone once they're checked out will is free to join the time bank. Totally free. People. Yeah. Totally free. Anyone can join, and I think the beauty of this is that even people that are sat at home or might be long-term unemployed, or that don't have very good health, um, or that might be new to the area and don't have English as a first language, there is no barrier to stop them joining because we believe that every single person in society has something of value and has something they could offer somebody else or share with somebody else. It's terrific. It really is terrific. Do you know whether any time banks already set up anywhere else in Ireland? Um, I don't. I think it's quite a new concept, to be honest. Um, We're doing the talk this evening, covering all the basics, what time banking is, what time banking isn't, and hoping that actually from today, we're going to get lots of people with expressions of interest and joining. And this could be as big as you want it to be. It could be covering the whole of Ireland. You could have multiple, multiple time banks, even in small communities, um, all linked together 
with good communication and software and people can be swapping thousands of different things right the way across the country. Okay, well you're starting in a good place because there's a great community spirit right throughout West Cork. I think people in the West Cork uh, area are really going to love this. So people can go along public meeting tonight, find out more about time banking, find out more about the project and uh, the benefits. It's the Conakilty Hotel tonight at 8 o'clock. Sarah, thank you for that and enjoy your trip uh, to West Cork and thank you for joining us today on the programme. Thank you for having me. Good morning to you. Bye bye. bye. That is uh, Sarah Bird, who is CEO of Time Bank uh, UK. And my thanks to Fergal Conlon, uh, Local and Community Development Programme Manager of the West Cork Development Partnership, because they are behind bringing uh, Time Bank UK to Clonakilty tonight. If you want to go along to that meeting, Clonakilty Hotel at 8. Let's try and make one of our listeners happier by giving away a family pass to Cinderella at the Everyman tomorrow night, Thursday. Plus, an invitation to a VIP reception at six o'clock tomorrow evening. Caller five to call Bernie now and say, oh no, he's not. So we want you to shout, oh no, he's not at our Bernie and shout it as loud as you can. Caller five, 1850-333-103 wins the family pass to Cinderella at the uh, Everyman Cork's favourite traditional panto. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through. But I still have one wish to make. A special one for you Merry Christmas, darling We're apart, that's true But I can dream And in my dreams I'm Christmasing with you Holidays are joyful There's always something new But every day is a holiday When I'm near to you The lights on my tree I wish you could see I wish it every day The logs on the fire Fill me with desire To see you and to See you and to say that I 
Beautiful. That's the sound of the Carpenters on C103 and Merry Christmas, uh, darling. Paula O'Mahony in Bandon. Happy lady. Paula has become one of our latest winners of a family pass to Cinderella at the Everyman for tomorrow night with that VIP reception from at six o'clock. Congratulations, Paula O'Mahony in Bandon. We have one more family pass to give away this hour. So hang in there. Your chance uh, to win between now and one o'clock. Phone lines are open, by the way, if you've got a gardening question. Peter Dowdle will join us. Uh, later on this hour, 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp a question for Peter, please, to 0862-103-103. lot of calls and commentary coming in this morning. Let me look at, let me, let me take a look at some of the issues that have been raised. Ashley in West Cork was on about an issue and I don't know, has this caught out many other people? or have other people been affected by it. Ashleen has a flight to take from Dublin Airport today. So she drove up to Kent Station in Cork for the train to Dublin. She paid for her parking. She did that seven days ago, so she booked well in advance. But when she got to the train station, she said it was impossible to find a parking space. There was actually no parking spaces available. By the time she did manage to locate a parking space or somebody moved so that she could park her car, she ended up missing her train. Now she's going to have to get a later one and, and she'll still make the flight and all of that. But it's very, very inconvenient. She says that what she's discovered now from Kent Street... Kent Station car park that a lot of ordinary workers are using the car park and they're parking their cars there all day. They're not using the train station. I mean, traditionally, people park at train stations. It's there for you to park your car and take the train. And then when you come back, your car is waiting for you. But the fact that you can get all day parking at Kent Station for €8, Ashley is of the view, and I don't know whether somebody has said this to her or not, that people are, are workers in the city who are not taking the train at all. They're literally going to the train station, parking their car, heading into wherever their place of work is and then coming back to pick up their cars in the evening time. And they're doing it because it is a cheaper form of parking, is it? Can you get, can you get parking in the city anywhere else for €8 Euro a day? Or maybe it's just convenient for them. But it's a cautionary tale if you, I mean... Ashin is lucky that she was able to go on the next train and she's also lucky that she left herself enough time so that she wasn't going to miss her flight. But if she was cutting it very fine and had to get on a particular train in order to make a particular flight, she could have missed her flight over it. So be careful of that if you are planning on parking in Kent Street Station. You know, and the fact that she had her parking booked in advance, they would have been aware of how many people have booked so you would you would think they would be matching up car park spaces with the number of people that have actually booked, but obviously they don't. Obviously that doesn't link in at all. Thank you, Ashley, uh, for sharing that, and hopefully you've you, you're you've made it safely or on the way to Dublin at this stage stage, and that you have a safe uh, flight. Still getting a lot of commentary in about the license and the driving license and this issue from Shane Ross that you need to have your driving license with you, which is the law already. We know that it is the law already, but the discretion has been taken away from Garda Siakona that if you get stopped driving licence please sorry Garda I don't have my driving licence bring it into the nearest Garda station okay sir I'll do that in the next whatever 10 days however long they allow you that discretion is what Shane Ross wants to remove 
that power from a guard the sheer corner. And that now has led to people saying, you don't, you know, I countless times I've been in the car and I haven't had my driving licence with me uh, because I forgot it or I changed bags or wallet or whatever it was. Eileen and Clon said she changed her car insurance this year and she did have to show her driver's licence. So thank you. That was somebody earlier said you have to, I didn't realise that. But anyway, Eileen said she did. She has a little wallet attached to her mobile phone and into that little wallet she has popped her driving licence. She says you never go anywhere without your phone. <laughs> So you know, she always has her driving licence uh, with her. So yeah, you might change your handbag or you might change your wallet, but you'll be sure. We were attached and we were almost surgically attached to our mobile phone. So Ender said that's one way that she makes sure she never forgets her driver's driving licence. John in Skibbereen said his wife was in hospital. Now this was some time ago and she had all of her bag and her belongings and all her bits and pieces with her. With her and she had her wallet in the bag, which had her bank cards but it also had her driving licence she always keeps it in her wallet the wallet was stolen while she was in hospital God isn't that shocking and uh, then it took you know I don't know how long it took for her to get a new driver's licence but John made the point for but that period of time between the driving licence being stolen and her getting the replacement she was driving around and didn't have her driver's licence and uh, she said what w-, he said what would happen there in a case like that if Shane Ross gets the go ahead to introduce what he's going to introduce and the discretion taken away from Mungar the Corner. I suppose John in Skibbereen it'll be different if it's stolen because you'll have to go to the guard the station and report it's stolen and they'll give you something you know some kind of a piece of paper to indicate that your driving licence has been stolen and you're waiting for the new one to come because I know I went this year my 10 year driving licence was up and I was finally getting rid of the old paper driving licence which had a horrendous photograph of me on it, I have to say, but that's just the vain me coming out in it. So then I had to go to the new the new driving test centre and get the photograph taken and all of that and uh, get my new driver's licence. And then it arrived, probably about a week later, it arrived, the credit card style, so I've just popped it into the wallet. But my driving licence obviously got cancelled. My old one got cancelled that day and there was a week where I didn't have, physically didn't have a driving licence uh, to show. So I was given a piece of paper from the driving licence centre and I was told if you stop and guard the Chicana you just show them this and it showed that my new driver's licence was on the way. So I take it John with a stolen driving licence it would be the same thing you would get something to show that your driving licence had been stolen and you knew one was uh, coming. John and Mallow always keeps his driving licence in his wallet he's been doing that for the last 10 years he says it's no big deal it's only common sense but then the point is John you have to remember to always have your wallet with you at all times and that's what people are saying that sometimes you just might not have that particular wallet you might have a different wallet for the ladies you might have changed the changed the handbag Okay, some of your WhatsApps coming in. Just wondering, good morning, just wondering, when the penalty point system was brought in, it was just for certain offences. There was a limited number of offences at the start and we were told that if you accumulated 12 penalty points, you would be off the road. Much more offences have now been added with penalty points and yet... To reach the 12 penalty points, the limit is still the same. Surely that needs to be looked at. Shane Ross is only in this for revenue. Uh, it's a dis- He is a disgrace. D4 isn't Ireland, says this uh, texter. And says, Patricia, you can't tax your car without insurance. With regards to the higher road debts this year, I'd like to know how many extra cars are on the roads this year that has new drivers. What is the ratio like when that is balanced out, says Anne? Will you, we get detail, very detailed figures 
not at the end of the year, but certainly into January, February, the Road Safety Authority will issue us with the number of road deaths on the road for, for the entire year. And there normally is a breakdown of the age group of, of, the, of the drivers on it. And st- statistics have, have, have shown that it isn't, well, certainly with, it isn't always younger drivers that are getting killed on our roads. Drivers of all ages get killed uh, on our roads. But the statistics will, will show that the the younger drivers are not always the ones that are causing the the accidents. But then, you know, somebody say, yeah, but the statistics will also show that it isn't the older drivers uh, either. There's, you know, what is it? Lies, lies and statistics. Is it? Um, yeah. Um, I don't know what the ratio is. I'll try and I'll try and find out for you, though, Anne. I'll, I'll do a bit of snooping around and do a bit of investigation and see if I can come up with something on it. But thank you for your uh, text this morning. Also on, they were on WhatsApps on texts. Audrey, driving license has got to be the real one I think when you stop by guard this year, Connor. And by the way, I agree with you, Patricia, I've never shown my driving license for insurance purposes in my life. Maybe it's a new one because we've just had somebody say when they changed to a different company they were asked for their driving licence I said I've certainly it's never happened to me but maybe it's something that is happening now Mara said how do people carry their bank cards and their money uh, do they not have they not heard about a wallet Michael Collins goes on with a lot of rubbish instead of diffusing a problem he makes it twice as bad what a TD who uh, says Mara so I take it you're not a fan of uh, Michael Collins then Kathleen says Patricia I think we will all have to wear our driving licence in a pouch around our necks like we used to do with the brown scapula God do you remember the brown scapula so anybody still wearing those Shane Ross is losing the run of himself with a little power and nobody seems to be stopping him says Kathleen so how would people like to wear a pouch around their neck with your driving licence and all your other bits and bobs inside it Jim and Balancolic says good morning Patricia I carry my driving licence in my wallet and I have done for years it's a sure bet no male has more than one wallet it may cause a bit of problem though for the females because they certainly have more than one handbag <laughs> yeah that's the, that's the problem with it it's when, they, when you change the uh, handbags Noreen says, Patricia, tell those people to put their driving licence into their mobile phone or stick it on to it because I can assure you they'll never forget their mobile phone no matter how many times they change their clothes, change their bags, change their vehicles, change their coats. Uh, they, I am sick of meeting big lorries, tractors, jeeps and cars and the drivers using their mobile phones, says Noreen. So you can be sure nobody leaves the house without a mobile phone actually I've noticed that as well uh, I know we've been talking about it and I suppose it's drawn my attention uh, to it the amount of times I'm stopped at traffic lights and just look around if you're, if you're out driving today and you, and you have occasion to be stopped at a traffic lights uh, just look around and it, it'll frighten you the number of people you'll see who are looking down on their mobile phone and scrolling up along the screen so they're obviously on social media they're reading something it really is bizarre. And thank you to some people giving suggestions for the lady who was looking for kittens. Remember we had a call in earlier today from somebody looking for a kitten, willing to home two kittens because she said sometimes people won't give one kitten away but she's willing to home two, willing to take two. Someone says, tell that lady to try Munster Lost and Found. You will often see kittens on Munster Lost and Found. Uh, if that's of any use to the caller who contacted us earlier. And on kittens, you could also try the Cork Cat Rescue. 
says a texter. Please, 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 though, says this texter, be very careful that they're going to a good home. Some kittens end up as dog bait. It's unbelievable what lengths they'll go to to, to pick your animals. No, I think this, the lady who's contacted us, I would never, ever call out unless we know who the person is and why they want it, because I would be very aware of that. People going to great lengths and awful animal cruelty and all that. So no, no, the lady genuinely just, it's a lady on her own and she wants the company of a cat and is willing to take uh, two cats. And no, we're not, we're not looking on behalf of anyone who's involved in any kind of uh, cruelty case. And just on the whole thing of cruelty and farming and all of that that we touched on with the Hines family in the last hour. Jane says, Patricia, now I don't agree with bullying and trolling and these keyboard warriors, but I do think it's naive for a farmer to state that all farmers love their animals. My husband is a farmer and the things he has seen on farms during his lifetime. Farmers killing calves with hammers because they're worthless. Animals starving. One farmer hung the calves by the neck to kill them. Animals not being treated by vets in a timely fashion. And then there's pollution to streams and destruction of hedgerows by people who in inverted commas, I meant to love the land. No matter how much you love your cows, they are still loaded onto trailers and brought to slaughterhouses for an untimely death. These, There are welfare issues on farms in Ireland and to state the opposite is false, says uh, Jane. And, and you are right. Not every farmer is going to look after their animals. It's like with any trade. You, there, you will always get bad apples in you know, they, they, they will always be there, unfortunately. But you can't also say that all farmers don't love their animals because the majority do. And the point certainly I was making when I, I know I think you're, you're commenting on a, on a comment that came in afterwards. But when I heard about the trolling of the Hines family, because I've gotten to know uh, Paula through interviewing her here on the programme and in particular from watching her on TV when she went out to uh, Africa to work with the with the tribe of um, of Africans in Nairobi, was in Kenya. Um, and, and I saw how she made me cry actually on that programme because I watched her get so upset over the death of an animal, one of the tribe they lost. They remember there was great drought in the country with the Maasai tribe that she was with and they lost one of their well they lost a lot of the cats but she was genuinely upset over this animal uh, dying so you know for people who don't know this family and just because they see something up on a Twitter account a lovely happy photograph of her little girl with her little calf and they decide to pick on that family and call that family murderers and accuse them of all kinds of things when they don't know the family. That's what is so wrong. But Jane is right. You know, there, there is going to be animal welfare uh, issues, but it goes on. It's not just in farming. It goes on everywhere. And will we ever see the end of it? I would love to see the day. I'm a huge, uh, if you listen to this programme, you will know I'm a huge animal lover and I would love to see a day where it will all, where we would see an end to cruelty to animals. But I, I don't know what the answer is, but certainly it is wrong to target all farmers and say that farmers are the, are the cause of animal cruelty because they're not. The majority love their animals and certainly do look after them well. And hey, says the texter, I'm wondering what time do I ring for my turn for the three C's? That's on the breakfast show. That's the celebrity C's. There are three opportunities, 20 past seven, 20 past eight and 20 past nine with Simon in the morning at 1850 103 and it is Simon has a day off tomorrow so we're taking a break from Celebrity Seas tomorrow but it's back on Friday when it is worth 
€1,980. Just under €2,000. Now, that would be a fantastic win uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas. That Celebrity Seas back on Friday morning, 20 past 7, 20 past 8 and 20 past 9 with Simon Murdoch. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Fomoy Widows Club, they're holding their Christmas meeting in the Resource Centre in Fomoy. It's at 8.15 tonight. All widows and friends are welcome. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they've got a blood donor clinic, Fergrove Hotel in Mitchestown today between 5 and 8.30pm. While the third year students of Clonakilty Community College are doing a collection for Clonakilty Community Hospital in the town today. They're out on the streets as we speak now and they're there until 3 o'clock this afternoon. They're also selling raffle tickets at a Donovan's Hotel for the same cause. You're please asked to support what is a great charity, Clonakilty Community Hospital. Skibbereen Community College are holding an open evening uh, tonight from half seven until half nine. It's uh, for a for the school tour and for enrolments. A cookery demonstration in aid of Cork Dog will be held uh, tomorrow night from half seven until ten o'clock in the Cork Con Football Club that's in Ballantemple. I'm sorry, that's Skibbereen Community College. That open evening is actually tomorrow night, Thursday, not today, Wednesday, it's tomorrow night. And uh, finally, a concert will be held in St. Peter's Church in Bandon on Friday night. The Glasslin Choir, the Bandon Concert Band and others will perform free concert but donations will be accepted for the Society of St. Vincent de Paul and St. Peter's Church Fund. And we are going to open the phone lines now to get our final winner for Panto tickets, a family pass to Cinderella, the Everyman for tomorrow night, Thursday, plus a VIP reception, kicking it all off at 6pm. We will take caller five to ring Bernie now and wish her a happy Christmas. So caller five to 1850-333-103, shouting happy Christmas to our Bernie, will win a family pass to Cinderella. It's Cork's favourite traditional pantomime and it is full of glamour and gags and song and dance and magic and mayhem and by all accounts it is a cracker of a show. It's been open for about two weeks now at this stage and everyone I've heard who've gone along to see it said it really, really is a magical pantomime. So your chance to win a family pass and the family pass will entitle four people to go along to the panto tomorrow night and also go to the VIP reception where there'll be face paintings for the kiddies and for the adults if you want to get your face painted, musicians and their hand in selection boxes and lots, lots more. And you can check out everything about the pantomime by going online to everymancork.com everymancork.com so get dialing on that and thank you to Anya in Cork City who I think um, has been the first to contact us to say her old age pensioner state pension has been increased by 20 euro per week her review letter arrived this week and she's been told it's going to be backdated to the 12th of October and she is a very as a fantastic early Christmas present for you Anya I don't know if the backdated will you have the money in time for Christmas hopefully you will but thank you for taking the time to contact us because we've been all over this story I'd say since the changes were introduced to the way pensions were calculated back in 2012 and of course the way the pensions the full state pension the contributor was calculated it cut out a number not that there was men as well but in the main it was women uh, because it was women who took time out to raise their families 
some women who had to give up work because the marriage bar uh, was in place. People who took time out to look after elderly parents, for example, went back into the workforce believing that they had eno- enough credits and they would have under the old system, have had enough credits to get a full state contributory pension. And then when they reached the age of 66, went along to get their pension, they discovered no, they didn't have enough credits because of this period of time that they were out of the workforce and because of that they were, were getting reduced uh, pensions and we had a lot of ladies uh, contacted us and we were constantly highlighting this case and finally finally uh, sense the government saw sense and it was Regina Doherty as the Minister for uh, the Minister of Employment Affairs and Social Protection brought in the new changes and the new changes they came in in March I think of this year yeah the changes were introduced on the 30th of March but the department needed some time to update their system and then they had to get the applications all in and they got to assess the applications and they did tell us that it would be the end of 2018 before people would start to hear but and we'll we'll keep a close eye on this one Anya says she's back dated to Where's Onya's comment gone? Onya said she's backdated to the 12th of October. We were told that the back, it was going to be backdated to March when the changes were introduced, that the higher payment will be backdated to the 30th of March. So we'll keep a close eye on that one. But the good news is this is all to do with the total contributions approach. And as I said, it's the way people, uh, it's calculated 40 years of social insurance PRSI contributions entitles you to a full state pension and if the home caring credits subject to a maximum of 20 years of credits you can now claim. Uh, so there a lot of people will be getting good news in the post and as I say Anya is certainly the first to contact us to say she's just had a letter to say her pension has increased by 20 euro a week as I say. Happy, happy news particularly when we are so close uh, to Christmas. It really is a good news story. Thank you Anya for that. Okay, you can stop calling us on our panto because our family passed to Cinderella. It is Philomena Foley from Turner's Cross. Congratulations to you, Philomena, who wished our Bernie a happy Christmas. And by doing that, won herself the family pass to the Everyman tomorrow night. More of those tickets to be given away this afternoon with uh, Nick. These are the very last, the last available seats because we want to fill out the Everyman tomorrow. It really is going to be quite a, a stunning and a fun, fun night tomorrow night. So congratulations to Philomena Foley from Turner's Cross. If you have a gardening question, you can ring Bernie now she's taking questions for uh, Peter Dowdle 1850-333-103 you can text her WhatsApp uh, 0862-103-103 and thank you to somebody who says they have two lovely kittens neutered indoor for rehoming oh they could be perfect for the lady Okay, we will make contact with you. It'll be after one o'clock at this stage, so hang in there. But thank you to whoever sent on that uh, text. I don't know where that person is texting from. And the lady who's contacted us is in Mallow. Let's see if we can match them up. That sounds like a perfect fit. And the fact that there are two kittens already neutered indoors sounds like just what the lady who contacted us is looking for. That's great. Looking after your driving licence. Here's a cautionary tale. Joan says, Patricia, my phone was stolen last week. Guess what? My driving licence and a 50 euro note stuck in the back. You know, the in case of emergency, 50 euro note and the whole lot gone. Oh my God. So when people are saying keep your driving licence with your phone, you need to be very careful of uh, phones are still being stolen. Uh, they're expensive items as well. And it's just, 
it's the amount of information that's contained on the phone. You almost, your breath is almost goes. I thought that you've lost your, your phone. Sorry to hear that, Joan. Let the bad luck of the year uh, go with it uh, for you. On Shane Ross, what is Shane Ross doing about young boys at 16 driving around on L plates and driving mad around the place thinking they're big, big men they're hardly able to drive and they barely know the rules of the road. I didn't think you could drive at 16. To me, that's illegal. But what Shane Ross will say to that is that's to do with enforcement. I mean, Shane Ross can't be, uh, he's Minister for Transport. We might like some of the rules and regulations and the things he's doing, but he can't be responsible for what goes on in every road around the country. He can bring in laws and then he needs those laws to be enforced. That's what Conor Faulkner was saying. You can have all of these great laws in the statute book, but if we don't have enough Gardaí, out on the road, patrolling the roads. And, and if there are 16-year-olds driving, that's illegal. They should be caught. And why are they not being caught? Because the Gardaí will say there's not enough uh, Gardaí in the traffic court to catch them. But then somebody else, thank you for your comments, somebody else says, Patricia, maybe because Shane Ross has no confidence in Angarda Siakana in light of the Morris McCabe Tribunal. It has nothing to do with uh, safety. It's uh, somebody who is totally questioning why Shane Ross is bringing in what he'll say it's all to do with uh, road uh, safety. Some of your texts coming in to us. Lister says, Hi Patricia, I was asked for a copy of my driving licence when I renewed my insurance with another company. So this this obviously is something new that's been introduced. Okay, thank you for that. And thank you for people highlighting that. Somebody else says, Patricia, well, we'll all be microchipped soon with all of our details on it, with all these rules and regulations that are, are coming uh, in. 1850 And let me go to one final uh, WhatsApp from Michael. And this is on what's happening across the water with Brexit and Theresa May and a no confidence vote. What I started the programme with this morning, Michael says, Patricia, hi. The UK is in a profound national crisis. A normal circuit de Soleil show um, it, in English performance lasts about two hours. But watching the MPs in the House of Commons for the last week approximately reminded me of the acrobats who take part in Cirque du Soleil with all the jumping up and down they have in spectacular fashion. All they are short of in the House of Commons are their aerial skills to enhance their trapeze skills, especially now that a vote of no confidence is put down for this evening on Theresa May and as if a new leader will change or get a new deal. My money would still be on Theresa May, says uh, Michael. Yeah, but the point I was making earlier, Michael, if she does manage to survive this vote of confidence in her, um, it doesn't give much confidence to her. And people are going to say she doesn't have a lot of support because there isn't a hope in hell that everyone is going to, to vote for her. I haven't got the figures now in front of me that that she needs to, in order for her to, uh, to, to pass. This is that 158 is what she needs in order to have the, the full backing of the party. But it is going to weaken her. Even if she does manage to hang in there, it will weaken, you know, even, even if a majority of Tories stand, uh, stand up uh, for her, it weakens 
her uh, leadership. So I, I, I don't know. But only time will tell whether she's going to hang in there or not. But Michael, anyway, as if he was a gambling man, he'd be putting money on Theresa Lay. We will know later on tonight. 1850-333-103. If you have a gardening question, get that in, please, because Peter Dowdle uh, will be joining us soon. Text her WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. And Peter Dowdle, the Irish gardener, uh, joins us this afternoon as just as the sun starts to shine. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Uh, Excuse get, me, good afternoon. Good afternoon, you. and, and you're, you're very welcome. The sun has to. It was, God, it was a bitterly cold morning uh, this morning. And a lot of festive questions coming into us today. Does Peter have any advice on how to keep Christmas trees alive indoors? And this actually came up on the breakfast show this morning as well with um, uh, Simon Simon Murdoch, our, our breakfast show host, who is after buying a new house and it's his first home, uh, his first Christmas tree in his new home and they bought a Christmas tree. And the guy we bought the Christmas tree from told him to put lemonade in when watering the Christmas tree. Yes, I've heard it before as well. The sugars in it will help. I, I'm kind of laughing here to myself because I got given out to last night at home because we didn't have any water in our our, our Christmas tree. And <laughs> I was trying to abdicate responsibility and say, I thought you were taking care of it. <laughs> so I'm giggling away to myself. And I also kind of giggle at the question as to when I hear people ask, how do you keep a Christmas tree alive? Because it's dead. Because it's dead. It's been yeah. chopped down, exactly. Um, but I obviously know what they mean by the question. So yeah, it, it, it's really, when you think of it, it's a dead tree that you're bringing inside. So it's kind of common sense. It's... It's uh, if it's too near an open fire or a heater or anything like that, it's just going to dry it out too quickly. So you treat it as you would a bunch of flowers. Yeah, just give it water, fill the stand with water. Uh, I have heard things like Seven Up and Lemonade before. I haven't used it. I'll be honest with you, but it does make a bit of sense that there, there will be some sugars in it which would get taken up. But uh, but I have water, 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 water. But keep it keep it away from. Um, from the fire. Uh, from the fire and the central heat. But, uh, but like I, I read an article a couple of weeks ago. It is more environmentally friendly to get a real tree than an artificial one. <coughs> well, it's certainly more environmentally friendly than a plastic one. Of course mm. it is. But, but um, and there's no buts really. You like, if we weren't using Christmas tree, I mean, it struck me many years ago as it's a pretty obscene tradition, isn't it, that we chop down millions of trees each year just as a decoration. But the other side of that is if we if we didn't, if the market wasn't there, then that land wouldn't be put aside to grow Christmas trees for, for 10, 15 years. It might be built on or other things might happen. So at least during the 10 or 15 years that the commercial Christmas tree farms are producing the trees, they're, they're, they're producing all the benefits of any other forest. And then, and then were, every year they're replaced, aren't they, as they cut them down? Yeah. to, to yeah. service the market. So, I mean, without the, without the tradition of Christmas trees, we would have far less forests. Okay, they're short-lived and they're, they're not woodlands or, or forests and sustainable in, in the real sense of the word. But, uh, but yeah, it is... The, the, the environmental impact on them isn't isn't as bad as one might think. Okay, hi. I've got a small ash. I have small ash trees growing in my garden. Uh, they grew from seed. Could you ask Peter if it's too late in the year to replant these to a new location? Small no, ash not, trees. It's, it's not at all. It's actually the, the perfect time of the year to be asking the question because it's the perfect time of the year to be doing it. Uh, particularly now, as, as you mentioned, there was cold this morning. The, the cold temperatures, all the trees are dormant, all the leaves are gone. Uh, perfect time to take them up and move them. Okay. Also, hi, uh, Patricia. Question for Peter. A few weeks ago, uh, he spoke of an alternative to bark mulch for ground cover. What was it again, please? That's from Mary in Kiskame. 
I don't know if I spoke about an alternative to bark mulch, but I, what I was talking about was an alternative to to the the black weed, the black fabric, you know, the weed block mulch that we use. And I don't like using that because it's plastic and the soil gets very compact underneath it. There is a new one that I, that I had a sample sent to me, which is very good. It's made from uh, it's made from hemp and flax straw, which has been compressed together. And I have it here in front of me. Actually, it's a lovely product. I haven't used it yet, but I'm about to. Uh, and it, it 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 looks to be. I mean, it is totally compostable and totally. Degradable, so it, it's going to be an environmentally sound product. In terms of bark mulch, mulch uh, uh, Trish is 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 a term used to any material really that we place around the base of plants. The reason you do it is if you cut off light and oxygen to the soil, no weeds can germinate. To, you can actually then use anything you want really as a mulch. Uh, bark is what we what we use most commonly. You can use gravel, you can use slate, but then there is. In the world of bark mulches, there are many, many different grades. And maybe I did mention there's a product called composted bark, which it doesn't look like bark. It nearly looks like soil. And it's what I use when I'm using a mulch because I think it's a lovely, lovely product. It gives a lovely look. There is another one then out there, and it's called... It's called. I think it's just called ground cover mulch, uh, and I haven't used it yet. But I've been sent information from from Westland who manufacture it from their kind of research lab. They've been telling me it's brilliant, and if a weed seed blows into it, there's no nutrients, so it can't germinate. But I think it's called just ground flo- ground cover mulch. I think it's what it's called from Westland. Um, but the one that I use and I, that I possibly recommended on the on the program a couple of weeks ago was composted bark. Okay, Jenny in Formoy bought a poinsettia a couple of weeks ago and all the leaves are now dropping off. Why? I'm, I'm scared as I listen to the question because Ponsettias and myself don't have a great relationship <laughs> either. But the reason there, unfortunately, is is very... More, well, there's a couple of possibilities, but I suspect the damage was done before she ever got it. Um, Ponsettias are very, very... Um, susceptible to any environmental changes, so drought, changes in temperatures between night and day, uh, anything like that. So depending on where you buy it, it will determine how well it's going to do in your home. In other words, if you buy it in a supermarket or a forecourt of a garage or something like this where it's near an opening door or near refrigerated units, you know, that, then leave it behind you because a, a poinsettia needs to be somewhere where the, the temperature is as consistent as possible and the light level is as consistent as possible throughout the day and night. Um, so if it's near an opening door where there's drafts coming in and out if it's and you will fridges, often see that in a supermarket when you walk you in the door and yeah. here's all the gorgeous poinsettias and I'm always thinking the wind is just blowing in on top of them every time the Worst door opens place to get them yeah. and, and they're wrapped in their plastic or they're not wrapped in their plastic either are and the draft is coming in to get them or they're near the big fridges and the, 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 the heat from the motors and, and then the cold from the fridge itself it's just the desperate environment to be storing them in so you buy them and bring them home they're not going the damage is done before you ever get them home get them somewhere where where it looks like a, a consistent environment and even Trish when you're bringing it to the car protect it from the from the from the environment then when you get it home bear in mind the same the same principles don't keep it near an open window don't keep it near a door that opens and closes don't have it too close to a, the radiator or the fire again because the temperature will fluctuate a bit too much for it um, but unfortunately in the situation where the leaves have dropped I'd say it's time to get another sorry yeah okay and uh, buy Irish when you're buying your poinsettias as well uh, could Peter recommend what plants to put into a Christmas hanging basket a caller would like to give one as a present what a lovely idea for a Christmas isn't present isn't a lovely lovely idea really in fact I was just talking about to someone earlier and you know I don't think the house is decorated properly unless you've got some colour outside as well as inside and I I mean natural colour in this mm. regard um, it, 
certainly you could look at things like cyclamens to give some colour in the, ba- the, the the top of the hanging basket. Uh, nothing better than some creeping ivy or, or trailing ivy to tra- droop down the side of it. There's a plant called Callocephalus, which is a mouthful of a name, but it's a lovely silver stem, silver leafed plant, Callocephalus. It's called. Um, if you wanted something to give you a bit of berry interest, look for one called Galteria. Uh, and it's actually, if you can't remember the name Galteria, it's actually the plant that uh, we make deep heat or wintergreen out of. So you might remember that if they go looking in the garden centre. That's a lovely berried form. And you could put that in the edge of the basket to kind of cling to the side of it. There's not so many trailing plants to give the the winter display like you have in the summer you don't have the trailing bedding plants so really for trailing you're looking at things like ivies but then for colour as I say your cyclamen your callocephalus your, your buried plants and maybe some winter pansies or winter violas OK so there's lots of colour out there ah, that's, there is, there that's, is yeah. that, that's the big one OK we'll leave it there we'll talk again next week for the Good final day, one before you. Christmas thanks for that that is uh, Peter Dowdle at the irishgardener.com If I were a boy even just for a day I'd roll out of bed in the morning And throw on what I wanted and go Drink beer with the guys And chase after girls I kick it with I wanted, and I never get confronted for it, cause they stick up for me, if I were a boy, I think I could understand, how it feels to
you are just a boy You don't understand You don't understand Oh, it feels to love a girl someday You wish you were That's music from Beyonce on C103 and If I Were a Boy. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy and John Paul McNamara both working on the programme today. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.